Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. We're at the end of the journey. When it comes to this sermon series, we've been studying the journey of the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt and taking lessons from each one of their phases. And as we get to the end of their journey today to pull this lesson of making a difference, we're actually going to rewind and go to the very beginning of the journey. And I don't mean when they got into Egypt. I mean 500 years before they crossed the Red Sea uh, with a guy named Abram. Uh, You might know him as Abraham, Father Abraham. If you grew up in church, you know the song. He had many sons. And um, and so if you didn't laugh at that, you didn't grow up in church. And so, which is cool. We're glad that you're here. Uh, And so uh, there was a prophecy that God gave this man uh, that you need to read about. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it's on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can read along with us. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now in chapter 15, we don't have the verse for it, so don't look for it. But in chapter 15, um, he actually goes into more depth because in this verse, he says, I'm going to bless you. But in chapter 15, we get details on what the blessing means. And it turns out that a part of the blessing means 430 years of slavery in a foreign country. God will often talk to you about the blessing. You just have to know that on the other side of blessing is pressing and they're often two sides of the same coin. But there's a reason why you go through what you go through. And you got to keep reading. Here's in verse 3. And here's why you're going to go through all that. Here's why I want you to know God. Here's why I want you to find freedom. Here's why I want you to discover purpose. Chapter 12, verse 3. So that I can bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And here's it, here it is. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you catch it? He's saying the reason why I took you through everything that I took you through was so that you could ultimately make a difference in other people's lives. Now, this makes no sense if you're a storyteller. Like, God, you just told a bad story here. God, you should never tell the end of the story in the beginning because we're just going to check out. If I was God, I'd leave him in suspense. You know what I'm saying? Like, stay tuned. Like, I'm going to put you in slavery. Watch. Watch what happens. You know, am I going to come to the rescue? I'm not going to come to the rescue. But, you know, this isn't God's approach to us. He doesn't try to scare us into submission. He tells us the end from the beginning, Isaiah says. And if we're stressed out in life, let me tell you, it's not because God hasn't made you a promise. It's because you have trouble believing that the promise can be that good. How many people have received the promise of God? You know, that God, you know how this thing turns out. You know how it ends. Our struggle is not that we don't know how it ends. Our struggle is that we don't believe that someone like us could get such a good ending. If you've ever received a promise... You've got the end of your story. And if you haven't, let me give it to you. Here's the promise for all those who have never received the promise before. Here it is. He's going to use it. Use what? Well, I don't know what your it is. I'm not a prophet. You have to fill in that blank. Your it might be a struggle. Your it might be a divorce. Your it might be a di- an addiction. Your it might be a $40,000 university debt. Your it might be a, a, a wrestling match with, with loved ones, with mothers or mothers-in-laws. I love my mother-in-law. She's here today. I, I'm just saying maybe your mother-in-law. But... Um, <laughs> Whatever your it is, here's the promise of God. He's going to use it to bless all people. And that's the best ending. Why? Because at your ending, that's the ending of your story. Your story never ends because the end of your story becomes the beginning of someone else's. 
It's awesome. That's the end game. That's God's end game for your life. And end game happens to be the title of my sermon today. End game. End game. And uh, I'm not about to talk about, you know, Thor and, and Tony Stark. I was about to throw out a spoiler right there, but I won't do it for those who haven't seen the movie. Go watch it so I can preach about it. Um, but uh, I'm not talking about Marvel, um, although Marvel has popularized uh, the term endgame. The origin of this term actually comes from the game of chess. Um, in the game of chess, endgame represents endgame theory. I think we have an image. And this is when there's not many very pieces left uh, on the board. And you can just as likely win as you can lose. And endgame theory in chess is the following. You got to change the way you play the game at the end because the strategy you use at the end is not the same strategy you use in the beginning. Because what got you here will not get you there. That is a rule for life and you need to catch that in your soul. What got you married is love. What gets you to your 10th year wedding anniversary is faithfulness. What gets you in a relationship with Christ most often is desperation. Somebody say amen. Don't even try like you came here because everything was going good. And you're like, nobody shows up to church because things are going good, okay? What gets you here is desperation. But you know what I found keeps you here? Purpose. What defines a friend is a shared history, but what keeps a friend is a shared future. What gets you here is not what gets you there. It's a different strategy. So I want to speak to you today about the end. Now, the end can be scary. The end of high school can be scary. The end of college can be scary. As you near retirement, the end of the workforce can be scary. Uh, the end of your chemotherapy can be scary. Still waiting for the results from the doctor. The end of a relationship can be scary. Today, I want to teach you how to live your life when you're coming to the end of a season. The strategy has to change. So in chess, there are three strategies for endgame theory. First, if you've never played chess, get cultured, okay? I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's probably on your phone, um, you know, but uh, I will give you the objective. In the objective of chess, uh, it is pretty much to protect or capture uh, the king, all right? And then also, uh, every piece has different movements. And so it's a lot like checkers, you know, like if I land on your spot and I lose your king, that's how you lose. Um, in, in chess, though, every piece has certain limited movements. Now, in the end game, because this game has evolved and because this game has matured, um, there are not as many pieces on the board now as there were in the beginning. In the beginning of the game, the first two lines are full. You got 16 pieces. But now that we're getting to the end, now that the game has evolved, now that the game has matured, there are less pieces, which is a preaching point in and of itself that you have to understand that the word maturity is not the same as the word more. And I mention that because some of us are upset at our point in life where we are right now. And here's my question to you. Are you upset in life right now for this point where you are because you haven't grown or because you don't have as much as you thought you'd have? Because they're two different things. And so don't let uh, losing undermine the value of learning. Because if I lose in life, if I go through a battle and something gets taken from me, it can get taken from me, but the thing that I can add to it is wisdom. The thing that I can add to it is strength. The thing that I can add to it is, is just knowledge. I can grow from the things that are taken out. That's so important, guys, because in chess, listen to me, the person who wins chess isn't the one who has the most pieces. It's the one who's left with the king. Are you hearing me? I'm saying that's why you can't cry when people leave your life. The question you got to ask yourself is, do I still have the king? If I lose my job, I'm sorry that you lost your job, but do I still have the king? If I lose a friend, do I, I'm sorry that you lost your friend, but do I still have the queen? Fellas, maybe you lost your queen. Come on, I'm preaching. <laughs> 
Maybe you lost your queen. I'm sorry you lost your queen, but listen, if I lost my queen, but I still have my king, I win. We can't give in to the shallow definition of success that the world tries to offer us, that the man with the most pieces wins. I'm sorry. It's the man who holds on to the king, who protects him at all costs. I came to church way better prepared than you came to church today. You can't let losing undermine the value of learning. That's why you can't cry when people leave your life if you still got hold of the king. And when you understand that the goal is the king, can I tell you, you'll actually lay down a piece to protect it if you have to. I don't know if you know that, but like uh, it's, called, it's a special move. Like right now, let's say I'm here, okay, here's the king, right? And in his queen, she can go diagonally. She's about to eat the king. But I got this piece right here, this, this pawn, okay, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna block him right there, okay? I, I, I put the king, I put the pawn here. You know what that does? That blocks the queen from getting him. And you know what the queen's thinking? Ooh, yummy, yummy pawn. I'm gonna get that pawn. And you know what she does? She gets the pawn. Now listen, that should be check. Game should be over. Why would I do that? Why would I sacrifice a piece to protect the king? Because over here I had another piece that can go sideways. Here's what I'm trying to talk about. It looked like a sacrifice, but it was actually a setup. It, It looked like I didn't know what I was doing, but what you gotta understand is that sacrifice is my strategy. At the end of the game, sacrifice is my strategy. That's what Paul was saying in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. He said, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. I'm going through all this. Why? For the sake of his body, which is the church. He said, listen, I'm sacrificing a lot. I'm in jail right now. My ankles are shackled. I got no freedom. I'm eating these meals. They're terrible. Nobody likes me. I got enemies on all sides of me. He goes, but I don't care. It looks like sacrifice, but it's not. It's a strategy because from that prison cell, Paul is going to write two-thirds of the New Testament, guys. He's not seeing the sacrifice. He's seeing the strategy. You got to understand, you got to look at life that way. I remember when we, when we first started a, this church, and Liz and I were wondering where we were going to plan it, where we were going to go. I told the story before, so bear with me. You've heard it. We were like, we're, we're both young Puerto Ricans, okay, if you haven't, if you can't tell. Uh, it's because I'm, I'm light-skinned, okay, and uh, and, we, and, and here's what they tell you in church planning. They say, if you're going to charge a church, you need to go to a city where people look like you and are in your age demographic. That's what they tell you because people want to hang out with people who look like them. And so we were looking at the map and we were like, where can we find young <laughs> Puerto Ricans? And we were like, boom, Kissimmee. <laughs> I was like, we'll just go to Kissimmee, man. We'll start a church in Kissimmee. They'll blow up. Have a thousand people in a year. It'll be crazy. You don't even got to do outreach. They just come. And, uh, and as we thought about that, you know, the Lord put in our heart Winter Park. And uh, we looked, at, we ran the demographics. And Winter, we, <laughs> hey. And uh, the demographics were, were white, retired. And, and we were like, okay, Jesus. So we'll, we'll do that. And so we went and, 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 and Don Ungaru got a mailer. Hey, wave your hand, Don. I'm pointing to the old white guy in the, in the right here right now who runs marathons, by the way. Don't let him fool you, okay? I met with him at Starbucks one time. He pulled out his iPhone. I was like, what you been doing? He's like, just ran 28 miles. I'm like, what? Like, he, he ran through zip codes, okay? And, uh, and I started to talk with Don, and I started to talk with David and Janelle Ray and other people of our church who don't look like us. And you know what, what they would tell us when they sit down? they go, oh, I'm so glad to see some brown people in this city. 
I'm so glad. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. What I thought was my sacrifice turned out to be my strategy. That's the way it works. And when God asks something from you in your life, because that's what will often happen when you get to the end of something, you got to focus on the strategy part of it and not the sacrifice part of it. You know, that was the devil's fault. When Jesus was carrying that cross of Calvary, the devil was focused on the sacrifice. He was looking at all the pain and he was looking at the crown of thorns and he was like, ha, 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 I got you now, Jesus. Look at all the blood and look at all the sweat. Ha, ha, ha. He was focused on the sacrifice so much, he lost sight of the strategy. You know what made Jesus strong? He didn't think too much about the sacrifice because he never lost sight of the strategy. He said, I get the cross. Put the cross on my back. Put the crown of thorns on my head. Put the nails in my hands. It's not a sacrifice. It's a strategy. I might give up my life, but I'm going to save the world through my sacrifice. I'm going to reach the hurting through my sacrifice. The blind will see through my sacrifice. The poor will be made rich through my sacrifice. The dead will rise through my sacrifice. The poor shall be made rich through my sacrifice. The broken shall be made whole through my sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It's a strategy. That's what you got to tell the devil next time he takes something from you. Go ahead. I still got my king. And I know if I hold on to him, I'm going to win at the end of the day. The sec- it's good preaching, right? I'm telling you. It's been ministering to me all week because I feel like I'm at the end of a season, about to go into a new season. The, the, the second thing you got to understand is your approach with the king changes. In the beginning of the game, uh, you got to protect your king because there's so many pieces on the board, right? And so what you do is you surround your king, you know, with, with pieces. But as anybody who's ever lived long enough will, will tell you, sometimes the friends you start with aren't the friends you end with. And so, you know, you kind of start losing pieces as you go along. And now your strategy has to change because the reason that the king was in the corner in the beginning was because, you know, it's hard to get to him. Right? You can't get to him because he's in the corner. But when the end of the game is approaching, the enemy's got a different strategy. The enemy's coming after you because he knows that you're there. Now, all of a sudden, the corner, that you were in the corner because there was no way for them to get to you, now this corner is trouble because now there's no way to get out. And if you're not careful, if you just stay in the corner, the corner will become your coffin. And so here's how you, here's how you get out. Are you ready? You got to transition from defense to offense. You got to transition from defense to offense. The king is actually a very powerful piece. Unlike the majority of the pieces in chess, he can go in any direction he wants. He's very powerful, but you never discover this power in the corner. And so what you got to do now is you got to start moving. You got to start moving, and I'm going to start putting pressure on the enemy. This is what Paul did. Paul was locked up in jail, shackles on his feet. He's got people who've been beating him. He's hurting. He's sick. Uh, he's got a stomach thing going on. He's not doing well. And you know what he said in the midst of all that? Somebody give me a pen. <laughs> Get me a pen. Why? I want to write. I want to write to the church of Colossae. I want to write to the church of Philippi. I want to write to my boy Timothy. I want, to, I want to write to the church at Corinth. I want to write to the church at Galatia. I want to write to the church at Philippi. Are you seeing what he's saying? He's going, listen, I, I know you got me up in a corner, but I'm not going to die here. I'm going to go out. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out making a difference. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out doing things that I love. I'm not going to live my life on the defense. I'm going to go on the offense. I remember one time I was in a funk. Have you ever been in a, a spiritual funk ever in your life? It's like for no reason whatsoever, you wake up in the morning and it's just gray. And there's just, you know, is it, is it okay that I'll tell you this as a pastor? Maybe you assume that my life, every morning I wake up is sunshine. Not every morning. I wake up is sunshine. And there was a couple years ago, probably like 11 years ago. It's not the last time it's happened, but I remember this story. Because it was the first time I learned this lesson. I was going through a funk. And uh, 
you know, I grew up uh, Pentecostal, so I hope that doesn't make you nervous. We're not going to do any snake stuff or anything like that here. Um, but uh, in the Pentecostal church, we were just told, you just got to pray your way out of everything, you know, and speak in tongues. And, you know, if you hit it the right way, you know, you'll just break free. So what I did was I went on a three-day fast. I asked my pastor if I could move in with him for three days. He said, okay. He gave me a room. All I did for three days was watch sermons and, uh, and not eat and pray for three days. At the end of those three days, I was expecting to come out like Moses. I was, I was expecting my face to glow, honestly. I was expecting to come out there like, free at last, free at last. And uh, guys, it did not happen. I, I, I actually left there the same way that I came in, even more discouraged because I thought I had done everything I needed to do to get me out of this funk. And so um, I was an internship director at the time. And I remember pulling up into my church, literally about to turn in my resignation to the pastor because I just felt like I was losing it, like God was a million miles away. And this one intern walks my way. Now, everybody knows that there are certain people in your life, when you see them walking your way, you look for alternate routes. <laughs> and it's not that you don't love them, it's just you can't right now. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just, right now, I can't. I just can't right now. I need to, call, call me later. I'm not good right now. But there was no way to go. He saw me. Eye contact had been made. Once eye contact was made, you know, it was a wrap. And so he started to walk towards me, and I started to walk towards him. And sure enough, he just unloads his problems, his issues, his situations. And I'm trying to hear him as best as I can. And uh, at the end, you know, I kind of give him some advice. And then, you know, almost like a reflex, I said, can I pray for you? I don't know why I said, can I pray for you? I hadn't heard from God the last three days. I, I felt like God was a million miles away, but I was a reflex. It's a Christian reflex. Can I pray for you? So I put my hand on him and I prayed for him. And as I began to pray for him, it wasn't a, a, a breakthrough. Like uh, he didn't cry, you know, he didn't fall to his knees. There weren't tears running down his face. And um, all I know is that when I said amen, he, he looked at me, he said, man, thank you so much. You don't know how much this helped me. And I walked away and the cloud was gone. God did more in my life in one session of encouraging another person than in three days of prayer and fasting because sometimes the best defense is a good offense. Sometimes if you want to get out of the place you're trapped in, you got to make a move because you're not going to win stuck on the corner. And let me tell you something. It gets scary out here. It's vulnerable. You don't have the protection. But, but you know what? Everybody in life at some point is going to fail or get rejected. You might as well fail and get rejected doing the things that you love. You might as well fail and get rejected making a difference in someone else's life. And you know what else has to happen? Because the enemy's not dumb either. These are the rules of the game. When you start to make moves, guess what the enemy has to do? He's got to back up. Oh, you're not hearing me. When you start to get on the offense, he's got to get on the defense. There were positions that he held in your life that he has to let go of when you start moving forward in your calling and in your gifting. There are people in your, let me tell you how this works out in a practical sense. There are people in your life that you're trying to protect. Daughter, son, brother, sister, wife, husband. Uh, not even people. We can talk about things, destiny, business, career, whatever. And you're trying to protect it. And you're back here trying to protect it. You know what's going to happen if you stay back here? Not only are you not going to protect it, you're going to go too. Sometimes the best way to protect something is to back the enemy up. And as he moves off, I, I tell people, you know, it's hard for me to get involved in church right now. My family is going through a lot. 
sometimes the best thing you can do for your family is get involved in church. Sometimes the best thing you can do, because the enemy is forced to relinquish the territory that he's been taking in your life. He's forced to let it go. And the last strategy is probably one of my favorite because um, uh, it's just cool. So this is a pawn here. Now, the pawn is very, very weak. Uh, it's like one of the least important pieces in the game. I'm going to go this way. Yeah. So where's the pawn at? Here we go. Here's the pawn. The pawn is very weak. The pawn can only go uh, most times one, one move forward most of the times. Uh, and that's it. So you can only do this when everybody else is flying around. Have you ever felt like a pawn in life? Be like, man, I wish I could go like this. <laughs> Come on, no people are like, you're so gifted. I wish I could be you. You know, it's like, I wish I had your jawline. I wish, I always wished I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. <laughs> wish I had a girl to look good, I would, I'd call her. I don't know, I don't know, anyways. <laughs> people who don't know that song are like, what is he talking about right now? <laughs> I'm sorry, this is our church, by the way. It's very, we have fun. So a lot of people live their life as a pawn, kind of jealous of all the other pieces and what they can do. But here's one thing you got to know about the pawn, and I love it, that if the pawn, it's a long road. He can't just fly. I wish he could. I wish you could. I wish I could, but he can't. He just moves one step at a time, one block at a time, one block at a time. But if the pawn makes it to the end, I will tell you. I was going to say the Bible says, but it's not true. The rule book says. I was a preacher. It's in my language. The Bible says if the pawn makes it. The rule is that if the pawn makes it to the end, he can be, here's the language the rule book used, promoted to any other piece on the board. Here's the third point. Here's the third point. The best of me is at the end of me. The best of me is at the end of me. When I completely pour myself out, when I go all in for the thing that I love, when I empty myself of my fears, when I empty myself of my energy, when I empty myself of my strength, when I put every enemy to the side and I go all, go all in, the best of me is at the end of me. Here's how Paul said it, Colossians chapter 1, I think it's verse 28, put it up on the screen. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He's talking about making a difference. Next verse. To this, say that word, end. I strenuously contend with all the energy. Can we just stop for a second? Do you hear his language? I didn't tiptoe across. I didn't crawl across. I, with all of my energy, I, I put it all in. And guess what I found out was at the end of me. Christ working powerfully in me. This might look like a pawn, but there's something powerful in this pawn. There, there could be a bishop in this pawn. You know what a bishop is, right? A bishop is the religious representation of the time. Here's what I'm telling you. You might look like a pawn now, but if you make it to the end, there might be a minister inside of you. There might be a pastor inside of you. There might be a worship leader inside of you. There might be an author inside of you. There might be a podcaster inside of you. There might be a blogger inside of you. Somebody who's ministering, straight up ministry. That could be you. That could be a bishop inside of you. Or maybe you get here and you find out that there was a knight inside of you all along. 
This is called the knight. You know what knights do? They fight for, for injustice. They fight against injustice. Maybe, maybe there'll be someone who raises up a, a nonprofit and you can fight against all the social injustice in the world. Maybe you'll found orphanages or maybe you'll dig wells in, in Africa or, or, or maybe you'll help women get out of sex trafficking or help men break their addictions. Maybe there's a knight in you or maybe there's a rook in you. The rook is a castle. Yeah, don't call it a castle though because somebody who knows chess will fight you. It's not a castle. It's a rook. But I love the castle, the rook, because the rook represents something that's been built. Here's what I'm saying. Maybe there's an entrepreneur inside of you. Maybe there's a business leader inside of you and you're going to be able to provide shelter by providing income for those who don't have because your business expands. Or maybe the most powerful piece on the board, there's a queen inside of you. I love the queen, y'all. The queen is awesome. I love you, queen. I love the queen, y'all. You know why? Because the queen has no limits. She can move in any direction, as many spaces as she wants. Here's what I love about the queen. She's powerful, but she's not the, you know why she's the most powerful piece on the board? Because she has the closest relationship to the king. which is really my point and the only thing I came to preach to you today, that it's through your relationship with the king that you discover the power within, making it to the end, making it to the end. You know what else I love about the king, the queen? The queen has the king's power, but the king can only move in one space, each side. It's the way they read the game. The queen has the same direction, the directional power, but she can go further. In other words, the power comes from the king, but the reach comes from the queen. Are you catching this? The queen can go places the king can't. The queen is the king's ambassador. Whether you work at a fast food place, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a lawyer, a doctor, whether you are retired, whether you are an athlete, whether you are a mathematician, that's a thing, I know it's a thing. No matter where you are, hear me, or what you do, we are all in service of the king, just trying to do his mission, trying to, trying to touch people's hearts with his love, trying to go out and make a difference in the lives of other people. That's what God has called us to do. Come on, worship team, as we wrap this up here today. I want to give you some next steps today. That's what, what ne what's next has been about. For some people, your next step, and I'm hitting this home because it's so important and I want to see you grow, is leading a small group. You've got, you've been through some stuff. You've got experience. You've got history. God wants to use that. Well, I'm going through something right now. Well, if it's debilitating, get here. But, but if, you know what I love about Paul? His ankles were shackled up, but his wrists were free. So he used what was free to make a difference in the lives of other people. So you got to ask yourself, where am I? If that's you, here's your next step. After we pray, I want you to follow the signs to small group leadership training. It's one hour. We're going to prepare you, give you everything you need to know to make a difference in the lives of other people. For others, you can make a difference by joining a team. Here at Journey Church, I don't even know how many teams we have, but we have a ton. We got production teams. We've got prayer teams. Right now, behind this curtain, is a group of two or three people, you don't know it, but they're praying for you right now. They're praying for you right now. It's called the prayer team. And they're making, they don't like being out here with all y'all, you make them nervous. So, so, so they took a personality test, which is what we do in Next Steps, and they found out that they're better behind the scenes. So they went behind the scenes to make a difference with their life. 
and with their prayer. You don't see it right now, but there are some people wiping baby butts back there in the nursery. Thank God for them. I'll tell you what gift they have, the gift of patience and, and the gift of a strong stomach. God bless them. But they're making a difference with the thing that God has given them. There is a place for you at this church to make a difference with your life. Here's how you find out where that is. You go to next steps. So maybe you say, hey, I'm not into group leadership right now, but I, I do want to find out where my place is on a team. If that's the case, go to next step. There's a big sign. People say it's a one-hour class. We have childcare. We've got free lunch. We got free T-shirts. We don't have free T-shirts. I lied. But we got free lunch. We got, maybe one day. We, have, we got free childcare. It's also uh, one hour. And uh, we'll, we'll let you know. You can find a place and you can start serving. This week, next week, all the pipe and drape that was set up was set up by strong men and women who, uh, who have a passion for building things and putting stuff together. Uh, and so we have a load-in, load-out team. We have amazing singers. And uh, finally, we got two piano players. Come on, yeah. If you're not, if you're not new to our church. If you're not new to our church, you're saying amen. If you're new, I've been talking about this piano player for like the last month. We need a piano player. And uh, we got two. Come on. Making a difference with their gifts and their talents. God wants to do that in your life. Or maybe your next step is becoming a part of a group. Maybe, you know, you're like uh, Carlos and his, and his wife, what they were sharing uh, about, about just needing some healing, needing some restoration. If that's you, here's your next step. Here's your next step. In two weeks, when we open up the summer semester, join a group. That's your next step, get in a group. Or maybe, and this is for someone here today, maybe your next step is to know God. Maybe you hear everything that I'm talking about and it doesn't resonate yet because you've never really made that important first step of, hey, I don't know if I can fix life yet, but there's one thing I can fix, it's, it's, it's this. And here's the best part, I even said it wrong, you don't fix it, God fixes it. He fixed it on the cross 2,000 years ago. All you gotta do is say, I'm ready, God. I don't know how much of my life can change overnight, but you don't ask for that. What you ask is for relationship. Are you seeing, God doesn't ask you for perfection. He just asks you to hold on to the king. Just to hold on to the king. Just to hold on to the king. So if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you wanna start a relationship with the king of your heart, the king of this world, the king on the cross, my Jesus, your Jesus, our Jesus here at Journey Church, this is your next step. When I say three, I want you to raise your right hand to the sky as a signal. And as a sign, Jesus, I need you in my life. Will you, will you start this relationship with me? Maybe you say this for the first time, or maybe you say this today for the hundredth time. It's okay. It's okay. God's not judging you. This is your moment. If that's you, when I say three, and you need Jesus in your heart, make him the king of your heart. Raise your hand on three when I say three. Because we're going to pray for you. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. We're not going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you on three. We want Jesus in your heart. One, two, all over this building. One, two, three, right now. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand, little fella. I see that hand, little girl. I see that hand. You go ahead, put him down. Church, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Everyone who can hear my voice, let's pray this prayer. Father God, Father God today, today I make you my king. Take my life, all of my past, all of my pain, all of my present, all of my future, I give it to you. I don't know what I can do, but I know that I can hold on to you. I hold on to you today, Jesus. Live inside my heart. I want to start fresh today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. 
We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.